welcome this morning from me. It's lovely to see you and uh, uh, a happy Father's Day to those who are fathers today. It's really great to have you with us. And uh, wasn't Opera Man great this morning? I thought that was terrific, eh? So um, uh, he's appearing in the next service as well, if you want a second uh, listen. Uh, we'll try and keep his moustache on in that one. Uh, uh, Father's Day brings up all sorts of feelings for uh, different people. Uh, for me, it brings up a sense of thanksgiving. I had a great dad, and um, uh, he thankfully didn't always do everything right, which is really helpful, because I certainly, as a father, don't always get everything right. Um, but uh, I know he tried his best, and, and uh, I, don't know, I don't know how many years ago it was now, probably 10, 12 years ago, I remember taking my dad out, he's, um, he's blind, I took him out and uh, we went for a walk, we went for a walk on a golf course because that was flat, so we went for a walk together on a golf course and, and uh, spent the day together, he told me his life story and I told him my life story and we, we did one of those things and we sat in the pub and drank and ate and, and uh, shared life and uh, he told me the things that he celebrated about bringing me up, I was one of four children. And it was really interesting because the things that he celebrated weren't the things I celebrated. And I told him what I really appreciated about uh, uh, the way in which uh, he brought uh, me up. But it's okay, isn't it, to fail at times? And um, uh, my dad probably got it wrong uh, uh, more times than uh, I like to recall, but he certainly got it wrong. But failure is part of the lesson of life. And uh, I, as a father, certainly fail uh, quite a lot of the time. Um, but if we don't learn the lessons of failure, if we don't learn how to pick ourselves up and dust ourselves down, then we'll forever be afraid of failing and therefore forever be afraid of taking the next uh, risk in life. Uh, for others, Father's Day can be a painful day. And I don't want to lessen any of that uh, for those who feel that today. If today is a day that causes you pain through uh, absence or abuse or neglect or bereavement or anything else, um, then please let us be with you in that today. And uh, I, I hope you won't go without speaking to one of us if that is the case and at least allowing us to pray with you and stand with you in that because we want to be with everybody uh, in today. I chose this reading today about David and Goliath uh, because it's, it's far more uh, than a story about cheering on what is going to be the perceived loser. Uh, often we reflect on David and Goliath and cheer on the fact that the little guy won. But for me, the David and Goliath drama personifies the hopes of everybody when they stand amidst the giants in life that represents such uh, devastating threats on our lives. And it, it reminds me that we can stand tall if we've been prepared for difficulty. David was able to stand confident in the midst of a giant, a giant um, uh, who was stood nine feet, nine inches tall, because, uh, 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 and, and yet David stood tall uh, against him because of his faith in God. And because of the crucial lessons that he'd learnt in life. He said to the Philistine, he said, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of my 
Lord God, the one in whom I trust, the one who has seen me through the difficult times uh, in life. David was described as a man after God's own heart, and he stood confident because he came with the right stuff internally. And someone must have put that stuff in. Someone must have shaped his life. He came having taken a few knocks and a few risks in life. I watched uh, the other day as a, um, uh, a child was walking on a wall. You know when those children walk on people's walls and um, they were walking not so carefully along a wall. And you think, it's going to fall off. It's going to fall off. And I could see the mother getting very worried. And it's like any time we do anything that's of any concern, everybody goes, they're going to fall off. You know, they're going to, they're not going to stay up there and it's not going to be okay. And you need to wear a helmet. I saw, I saw in Lammers Park, a little girl on a tricycle. It's got three wheels. It's a tricycle, three wheels. She was all of about two with three wheels underneath her and she had a helmet on and knee pads and elbow pads. And I'm thinking, she really isn't going to grow up in life knowing how to take a risk. It's like we so wrap everybody up in cotton wool. We, we try to protect everybody all the time. And we fail to enable people to take the risks that we should be taking. To do the things we should be taking that, that actually prepare us for some of those things later on uh, in life. I, 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 <laughs> Lindsay and I were uh, in a garden, actually Trulicic Gardens in Cornwall, a few years ago now. And it was a beautiful sunny day. We were on holiday. And uh, we were lying down in the garden. You know one of those points? And we lay down and we closed our eyes just for a moment. Five children were doing their thing. You know, it's like there's whatever they do, they'll do. And um, we awoke to the shouts of, look at me. At which point we saw our son, George, at the top of probably a 150-foot tree, a fir tree that was bending with his weight. <laughs> and you can imagine the conversation that Lindsay and I had. There was a moment of sheer panic. And then we were going, don't, don't shout. <laughs> don't make him do anything in a hurry. <laughs> and we said in a very calm voice, it might be a good idea if you came down now. Just climb back down the way you did, you know. And his main concern was get a photograph first. That was his main concern about the whole thing. But we have become risk adverse. How many times have you read about us living in a nanny state? Everything has to be double checked. Everything has to be wrapped up. Everything has to be, you know... Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably slightly more risky than than my Lynn's. and um, uh, when uh, uh, my sons have played rugby, and uh, they come back looking clean, 
I go, what happened? Did you not play? You know, did you not get stuck in? I am on the sidelines if I were able to watch them shouting hard for them to tackle hard and to get stuck in there. When Joss had had his accident and uh, had his skull replaced with his titanium plate and was first encouraged back in to play rugby, I just said to him, just don't tell mummy. You've been chosen. I'll sign the consent form that you can play. But I said to him, for goodness sake, son, play hard or you won't be picked again. Get stuck in. That head's harder than you imagine. And um, uh, I stood on the sidelines cheering him on, thinking, if anybody gets hit with that head, it's really going to hurt them, not him. (laughs) Those are my thoughts. It's like if we don't do it, we won't do it. We've got to, at times, take a few risks, haven't we? We've got to, at times, uh, step out. Let our children climb a tree. Let them climb the rock face. Let them do the things that they've got to do. And and, and the reason for that is it doesn't stop with our children. I, I have sidled up to several men in this church who've been going out with young women for quite a while Asking them, uh, how long have you been going out with Sansa? Isn't it about time you've thought about making this a little more permanent? And um, often they're concerned, well, I'm not so sure. And I'm going, after 18 months, if you're not sure, finish it and move on. But don't waste her life. You know, well, and the thing is, it, they're nervous to step in. Uh, uh, you know, there's no guarantee. I have searched all over Lindsay. It doesn't say guaranteed for life anywhere. You take a risk. (laughs) Perhaps not the best illustration to use. I won't use that in the next service. Nothing is guaranteed for life. But let's take a risk. And let's work at the risk, and sometimes the risk is really worth taking. You know, uh, it's a risk to buy a house. It's a risk to move job. It's a risk to do uh, most things in life. It it occurred to me that something is often overlooked in the story of David and David's confident stand against this nine-foot giant is the influence that his father would have had on him. Now, I want you to hear, I'm talking to the dads today, but this relates to mothers as well. It really does relate to mums as well. So when I say dads, you just insert mum as well, or, or insert friend actually, or insert grandparent, or insert son or daughter, because we, we help one another in all sorts of ways. Not known, not much is known about uh, David's father. It just says, now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. We don't know much more about him. He's named in beginning of Matthew in the line of David. He's one of those that's named uh, in the line of those who uh, ultimately becomes Christ. He was probably a man of means. He sent some gifts to the commanders in the army. He sent 
actually portions of cheese, which were very expensive at the time, so he was probably quite a wealthy landowner. But we don't know much of his background, other than he was just an obscure farmer from Bethlehem, Bethlehem somewhere, and he was the father of eight sons. One, uh, the youngest just happened to be named David. But I think Jesse did some things that were really good and right. Three little things. The first thing he did was he taught his children to take a few risks. David, the youngest, was left to look after the sheep. You've just had the reading read. David says, when I looked after the sheep, I was attacked by bears and lions. Now, if we sent our children out to look after sheep, when we know there are lions and bears around, probably today we get locked up for it. You know, for abusive parenting. But, but David's father took a risk. I guess, I guess he taught him to use a sling at home. I guess he taught him to defend himself. I guess David, being the youngest of eight, was used to getting beaten up by his older brothers. I guess he learned to look after himself. I guess he, he learned to, to cope when things weren't going right. But David's father, Jesse, took a risk. And, and, and enabled him to go and look after the sheep. And David said, David says this, he says, I've, I've fought off lions and bears. He says this, but David says, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he's defied the armies of the living God. Many of us would think what an irresponsible parent his father was, but it stood him in good stead for later in life. Those of you who've been reading the Bible in the year with us, you'll know that David became the leader of the armies, someone who enabled people to take risks, to work out strategies, to look after themselves uh, in life. I'm not suggesting we lock our children in London Zoo and release all the animals. But, but I think there is something that a father brings of the rough and tumble in life. Something that helps prepare our children for the tumbles later in life. And tumbles do come, don't they? Redundancy, relationship breakup, financial crisis, whatever it might be. They will come. They come in all of our lives. And, and, and if you've learned some of that rough and tumble, if you've learned to cope, if you've learned to dust yourself off and pick yourself up and get yourself on your feet again, then you'll be put in good shape. And, and, and I want to encourage you, dads, don't lose that sense of adventure. Take your children out and do things with them that give them that sense of adventure. Uh, Richard Boucher, being the complete wild person he is, is doing a cycle from London to Paris again this weekend. Many of us were thinking about him yesterday as he was cycling head on into the wind, God bless his heart. But I remember just last year with a bunch of you guys, some of you, was it last year or the year before, sleeping out on a mountain in Wales in our bags without any tents. Most of us raged about 50 going, why are we doing this? We never lose that sense of adventure though. Let's put it into the hearts of our children. Dads, don't wrap them up in cotton wool. And if your wife or partner wants to, challenge them. 
saying, no, let's let them live a little. Let's push them out a little. We only get one life. Let's live it to the full. Life is about adventure and risk. You know, Steve Jobs built Apple through taking some risks. Bill Gates built Microsoft. Every new job taken involves risk. Every promotion achieved involves risk. Every friendship entered involves risk. I remember when I was made marketing manager for the company that I last worked for, and um, I'd been quite a good sales guy, and they made me senior manager. I remember coming home and saying to Lindsay, I've got this promotion, and we've been made manager. And she was like, let's celebrate, and I was like, that's great. i got no idea how to do it. i got no idea. I'd be like the blind leading the blind. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. And it always involves risk. I fortunately did it for a few years, and then God called me into the ministry before anybody found out I was a complete fraud. But, but that, that, you know, we, 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 we take risk, don't we? And when we take risk, we step into something new. Equip your children to take risk. Jesse did it with David. It stood him in good stead for life. Secondly, he taught his children to trust in God. I realized that, uh, that, that simply being taught something by another person doesn't mean that we necessarily put it into practice. But I can't help but sense that Jesse rehearsed the faith stories with his boys again and again and again. If it were today, of course, Mrs. Jesse would have joined in as well. But they were probably very aware of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob and Rachel. They'd have been well versed in God's deliverance from the famine uh, in Egypt through Joseph, uh, of how God rescued them from bondage through Moses, of how they were able to recall Joshua's challenge to be strong uh, uh, in the Lord and serve him alone. And, and here in the story of David and Goliath, here is his Saul, this great commander with all the armies, living in fear of this one person, this one challenge, this one battle. And, and, and nothing changes until David shows up and brings God into the situation and says, surely you don't think we can't tackle this, this one person. I don't know what challenges you have in your life, but there will be giants. There will be giants that we are all called to fight. And if we are, if we are equipped with a faith in God, we can face any giant. We can cope with it. Some people are called to carry larger giants than others. Some people are called to carry greater hurts than others. Some people are called to carry greater weights than others. But with the strength of God within us, we'll achieve that. We'll be able to do it. It's not always easy, but we'll be able to do it. And if we equip our children in the same way, they'll be able to stand confident in the midst of the giants that they face in their life. They'll be able to stand confident in the midst of perhaps redundancy and job problems and finance and targets and relationship and health and, and raising their own family. I think that's a giant, you know, trying to raise a family today. And it'll only become more difficult, I think, as the generations pass. I don't think David would have stood confident in the midst of a giant like Goliath unless he had allowed his faith in God to be one that continued to grow and therefore to rehearse those stories with his children. And I want to appeal to you uh, as fathers. Share your faith with your children. 
pray at the meal table. Pray at the meal table. We, we, we're not, yesterday, my, my son George phoned, I, I think it was on Friday he phoned, he had to get back from university by today because they had to get out of their rooms by today. You know, that's a typical 20-year-old, lots of warning. So yesterday, late afternoon, I had to race up to Nottingham, load the car up, got there. He said, oh, Dad, I thought there might be a bit of extra room. A few people have left their bikes. Can we also bring those back to London? I'm like, great, let's just bring some extra bikes back, pack it all in, you know. And we came back down to London. I, I took, then got back. We got back about 7.30 last night and, Took my, my daughter had come up from Southampton because it's Father's Day today, so it was a nice surprise for me. So I had all my five children at home. So I said, well, let's go out for dinner. So we went out to, you know, Pizza Express, get those vouchers. We always look up the vouchers, get a discount voucher. So went to Pizza Express with the discount vouchers and uh, in the restaurant. And they, I was so proud. We, all this food is served, and we were waiting for Lindsay's. Lindsay's was the last one to come, and everybody's waiting. And I was like, we're just in the restaurant waiting. And they all waited. And when Lindsay's food was put down, I said, well, now we give thanks. And uh, we as a family bow our head in Pizza Express and just give thanks to God. And you can, you can hear the silence fall on the tables around as seven of us go, amen. And, uh, you know, there's something about that. Just bringing God in the whole time doesn't guarantee that they'll always know the Lord and follow the Lord. But it just says we'll continue to tell the story of God. Buy your children a Bible that they can treasure. Read it with them. Talk to them about your journey of faith. There's not much more important in our lives than passing our faith on to the next generation. And just thirdly and finally, Jesse equipped David to fight the giants in life. He didn't just equip him by taking a few risks. He didn't just equip him by sharing faith in him. But he gave him a gift of life. He gave him Uh, the ability to face life's problems with confidence. All of us, for all of us, it's a push because it takes time. It takes investment. Time is our most precious commodity. Time to invest. There's so many pressures on our time. But a great father will encourage his children in a number of ways. I think four key ways. One, never give up. It's always too early to quit. It's a quit. Never give up. We'll encourage our children to have staying power. It will equip them to study, to work, and for their relationships, to get pick themselves up, dust themselves off, and keep going. Secondly, to be quick to forgive. Don't hold grudges. Move on in life. If someone hurts you, forgive them and get over it. If someone hurts you, forgive them and get over it. Bring peace into the right. Be someone who brings peace. Be quick to forgive. We have to have an attitude in life of getting over this sort of thing. Thirdly, grow in patience. This teaches our children the value of valuing others, listening to others, giving others time in life. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, we encouraged in the book of James. And fourthly, to live a life that is thankful. I think in David's life, all of those things are personified. And those of you reading the Bible in the year with us, you'll have read about those in the last few weeks. All of those things are personified. Quick to forgive, growing in patience, never to give up, and to live a thankful life. And if we can encourage our children in these as well as embracing the adventure of life by taking a few risks, growing in faith, and facing the giants with confidence, I think that we'll be 
being a great dad. Is that okay? 